Welcome to the Desperate Brothers Podcast, and this week we're going to try our damnedest not to talk about Infinity War. <laughs> I'm CJ Watson. And I'm Jack Fisher. And here we go. <laughs> Insert theme music. This is the Desperate Mothers Podcast. Oh my. Check out what these desperate mother are up to this week. I mean, I wanted to touch on it. So, you know, they, they say that the Stanley weekend at Bernie's autograph kind of frenzy thing has gotten worse than it ever has been before. And there's video on YouTube to kind of. What is a weekend at Bernie's autograph? Oh, when they're pretty much <laughs> signing his name for him. What I watched him sign mine. He did. He 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 did sign his name for you, and he did not do anything but look look down and sign where he was pointed to. And it really is still like that, but it just seems more sleazy, nefarious. Yeah, and you know, you and I joked before that it seemed pretty opportunistic to have him sign and set for so many photos for so long at the cons when this is a man that does not need the money well if he's somebody is encouraging this if he stood up there and just waved from afar like the king of an ancient kingdom people would just be as happy with that as they are you know paying 140 dollars to have him sign a comic book and i assure you people i assure each and every one of you that having your comic book signed by stan lee makes it not a whole lot more worth not worth more than if he didn't sign it well it's because there's a bazillion stan lee autographs and there's like ten thousand more every hour now personally when i got my comic book autographed I wasn't looking to increase the value of the book. I was looking to um, get a piece of memorabilia that would be meaningful to me. Still say you should have had him sign your chest and tattoo that. Yeah, but I can't pass that down to my, uh, my niece or nephew. I mean, you could. <laughs> Kate might be willing to take my dead skin and stretch it across a frame and um, preserve it. Yeah, so I'm just saying that. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Stanley a little bit this week because you know why we still have him. It's it's controversial. It, it's another case of maybe a younger generation, or maybe a not so scrupulous generation. Scrupulous? Well, they're pretty scrupulous if they're <laughs> taking advantage of the, the old guy, right? Right. So they're not scrupulous. <laughs> if you have scruples, <laughs> you're full of scruples. You're scrupulous. Sure. If you don't have scruples, you're scrupulous. Uh-huh. Those people, maybe that are surrounding Stan Lee right now, don't have all their scruples. And, you know, this is uh, 
It's something that happens when you have wealthy people of an age where they can't make entirely logical or sound decisions. I mean, everyone's said it before. Stan doesn't hear so good. Stan doesn't see so good. Stan is a 95-year-old man. Yes. Stan works a lot of fucking hours at those cons. Mentally exhausted and morally bankrupt. Well, I don't think he's morally bankrupt. Of course, there were people who would, you know, argue. But those artists are old, and they're almost all dead. Some of them are dead. So I don't want to get into chastising Stan for maybe not always making the right choices on the side of artist rights. Well, because he came from a different time. He came from a time when it was okay to steal a hit record from your Motown artist. It was okay to pay your artist five cents a single, and then that was it. You know? Copyright laws have changed as intellectual property usage has changed. And back in the old days, it was the writer who was credited with creating the the comic book character. And is that incorrect? Is the writer not the creator? Well, the writer is is a creator, is the creator, but is not sole creator when it comes to comic book format. And I think the takeaway, especially the last 20-odd years, and especially as I, I think really the image comic artists, they really take... Uh, um, a lion's share of the credit for this, for fighting for the rights of artists who bring that written character to life. You know, if if you crafted the visual of the comic book or of, of the character that uh, Bob Kane came up with, right, then how much of that creation do you own? Sure, you didn't dream up the Batman, but you made him look like the way he did. And, and actually, you argue, arguably more interesting is how much the original artist did help cultivate the character we know as the Batman. So you can make arguments about whether the writer, the director, the director of photography... The and there's the slippery slope right there, right? You know how much how much are we going to take away because now you've presented the character in a visual format? I mean, can you claim ownership after the fact? You know, a lot of people did. A lot of people tried to say, "Hey, I drew Spider-Man differently than anyone else. I deserve some share of the creation now." So, who wrote? Goodwill Hunting. That was Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Yes. Who was the director of photography? Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Who was their costume designer? Right, right, because all those people have a hand. And we know that making a movie 
is really hundreds of artisans coming together to give you a visual presentation. It's a collaborative effort. So you're saying that Inker deserves some money and some uh, credit for creating Batman as well. Well, actually, it's kind of the opposite. I'm saying that um, without the written characters, the the director of photography and the costume designer would just be unemployed. So, yeah, sure. Amazing costume. Great photography. Lighting, sound, it's all amazing. But without a concept, without a character, um, you're just a bunch of waiters and yoga instructors. Okay, interesting. No one goes to a studio and says, I have this amazing new costume design that I want to sell you. They go to a studio and they say, I've got a screenplay you have to read. Nobody goes to Universal and says... Uh, I have a new concept for um, visual design. You've got somebody that walks into an executive office and says, I have a screenplay. Build, Build a piece of art around this keystone. Sure. Did the costume designer have a significant influence on the realization of this vision? Yeah. But so did the craft services guy that kept everybody on set fed and watered. I get it. I get it. I'm not saying anybody's. I don't know. It's tough. That That's why you got to kind of decide everything on a case-by-case basis. That said, so, you know, it, even a lot of people still are, are, are wounded or haven't forgiven Stan for taking maybe the, the wrong side, which was not his side. Like the Metallica side. Like Stan was on the, the side of the man because Stan was the man. We stand the manly. So I'm just saying... So now that he's in his ripe old age, now that his signature commands $140 a pop, his picture commands what? 200 bucks? I don't remember. So if he's a hundred and a half each, though, you know, his, his signature commands 150 His photo commands 150 They're propping him up. I joked in the past. I mean, no disrespect because I, I love the creations this guy made, and it's really great that he's out there. And making himself accessible and going to the cons, buying the cons, I'm you know. But how much of this is just sheer profiteering at the expense of the health of the guy people say they love? <clears throat> but that's the way of capitalism. Capitalism is a parasitic system. We bilk the consumers, we rape and pillage the land, we exploit the natives for the benefit of the current generation. 
without consideration to anybody that may exist an hour after the profit is made. Apple. Is it a great company or is it the scourge of civilization? You've got a whole lot of uh, child labor mining lithium in third world countries, destroying their health to make batteries. iPhones. Batteries for iPhones. You've got a lot of repressed and belittled and abused Chinese workers assembling iPhones. But is Apple a good company? Is it a bad company? It's a capitalistic company. They're making a profit. They're generating a product that people want. And if they decided to source their lithium from vendors that didn't exploit child labor or from manufacturers that didn't have a 50% suicide rate amongst their laborers, the phone would cost $5,000 as opposed to 1000 So, was Stan a brilliant businessman who did what he had to do in order to control costs to make a product that you would be willing to buy? Or was he a villain? Was he Mole Man or was he Reed Richards? Which one's the villain? (laughs) That's the point. Which well, one is the villain? Well, we also, you know, that yeah, that also assumes that Stan owned Marvel. Stan never owned Marvel. He was the publisher. He was the bo- he was Marvel's boy because he was grand. He was the creator of so much stuff. He was the face of Marvel. He was. He is the face of Marvel. But if he didn't play ball, he wouldn't be. Now, if he made a stink. Back in the same days that Jack made a stink, he'd have been at DC just like Jack. I'm not saying that I think the the choices that Stan made at that time were the correct ones. I'm trying to just be the devil's advocate right now. I'm trying to express a dissenting opinion. So this is like crossfire. Good cop, bad cop? Sure. Whatever you say, I'm going to try and find a position which opposes. Ah. Well, this could get really interesting if we don't limit this discussion to comic books. (laughs) That said, that's what's going on with Stanley. Right now, he's still alive. He's 95, 96 years old? 95. He's going Just to turn 96. got over battling pneumonia. Yeah. Um, his wife of many years passed. So there's a now, lot going against him. From personal experience, I can tell you, and from knowledge of statistics, 
older people tend to fall into a state of dementia where they start to take an adversarial role with everybody else. So, and it seems to just be a natural progression of the brain. The older you get, the more paranoid you seem to get. The more you start to worry about that fucker across the street is sneaking over to my house and digging through my garbage can. Get the hell off my lawn. Stealing my blood. Filling it with pins to sign comics in Vegas. <laughs> Did you read that? No. Oh, one of, one of the, the bad guys that was associated with Stan Lee mm-hmm. had Stan Lee's nurse draw Stan Lee's blood and give it to him. So then he can fill it into ink vials and they could sign comics with Stan Lee's blood. Now, to me, this sounds like a totally fabricated story. It sounds like something that Russian trolls are seeding into the comic verse in order to incite division and hatred. Yeah, except it's a real story. Define real. Can you go on eBay and buy a comic book signed? No, but you could go. To, you could had once gone to a shop in Vegas that sold comic books with said signed signatures. So, there's a couple of comic shop in Vegas that they pulled it. Stan Lee actually participated in the opening. I know it's so weird. Um, so Stan Lee's stolen blood for sale. On a Black Panther comic book. And just a quick rundown. Um, Stan Lee's alleged stolen blood is up for sale in the form of Marvel's Legend signature, of the Marvel Legends signature stamped on one of his biggest hits. Uh, TMZ learned several Black Panther comic books currently available at the Marvel Avengers Station Store in Las Vegas Strip. Each edition comes with a certificate of authentication that details the item has a hand-stamped signature of Stan Lee using Stan Lee's solvent and DNA ink. Um, it was only $500, but they pulled it. Now, do you trust TMZ as a credible source now, of I, news? No, I trust TMZ to get the strangest, broadest appeal out and for the story to then be easily debunked, discredited, or verified. Now, when you see a minute and a half video of Stanley on TMZ with Stanley railing against the horrible, atrocious stories that they've been presenting, do you think Stan is talking about the stories where they talk about stores selling comics signed in his blood? No, because that video was specifically aimed in defense of his current handlers, whoever was holding that goddamn video camera. He he did mention the stories about the name them. of his handler, but he was very nonspecific when he said um, the horrible, disgusting, atrocious stories that you've been printing mm-hmm. or talking about. So, well, I believe that that video came apart came about 
as a result of the many videos done, even by including by Steven, Kevin Smith, who's saying Stanley's current handlers are keeping him away from his friends, now, co-workers. I would like to point out that you started that sentence with the words, I believe, which uh, makes what follows your opinion. I mean, I believe in the order of things that video came out in regards to a series of videos. I believe that TMZ released that video at an opportune time, which... I don't, I don't think that was a TMZ video, though. I don't think that was a straight TMZ video. It, we, show, we saw it on TMZ. It was sent to TMZ by Stanley. Doubtful. Well, by, by somebody by in By Kia his, Morgan. By, by Mr. <laughs> I'm making the Marilyn Monroe was murdered movie mystery. So we all know, because we like movies and television and stories, that you can take footage and you can edit that footage to present the narrative that you want to present. So a video edited to a minute and 30 seconds does not represent fact. It represents a narrative which has been presented by somebody. Whether that somebody is Stanley's alleged handler, whether that somebody is a video editor at TMZ, or whether that somebody is a YouTuber. Everything has a narrative that's been attached to it. It's been presented in some fashion. So you're trying to say that all of this could be misconstrued, could be could be rewritten in a way to sensationalize it and blow it up? Yes. But why would TMZ do such a thing? <laughs> <laughs> what possible profit motive could TMZ have for sensationalizing headlines? They don't they don't have to. They have the Kardashians. They have Paris Hilton. They don't need to use Stanley. They don't need to, but they can. <laughs> oh. And if it can be done, it will be done in a capitalistic society that seeks to exploit all resources for the beneficiaries. So I should just leave this alone. We should maybe not talk. Let, let Stan come to us. Maybe we'll have Stan on the podcast. <laughs> so he can tell us who's lying and who's not. Um, yeah, we can wait for that to happen. Well, if a signature costs 150 bucks and, and his picture costs 150 bucks, you probably can't charge much more than $300 to appear on the podcast. <laughs> well, if he charges by how many signatures and how many photographs he can generate in an hour, then what is an hour of his time worth? I don't want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> like tens of thousands of dollars. So... Let's just say, guardedly, that it takes him 10 seconds to sign 
an autograph or to take a photograph of a fan. So in a minute, he's done that six times. In an hour, that's 360. And that's a pretty guardedly pessimistic. I don't think Stan's going to be on the podcast. But, I mean, he's always welcome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I would totally welcome Stan. Um, and, 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 but mis- and Mr. What Marilyn we're looking was at is in an hour, the man can generate 360 times 100, which is... $36,000 an hour with a conservative estimate. I mean, I'm not offering money. <laughs> <laughs> call it a machine. Call it karma. Call it whatever you want. Maybe in his... 20s, 30s, 40s, he took advantage of artists. And maybe those artists are taking advantage of him now. Hmm. I wonder how much of this I want to keep. (laughs) You can always suggest another topic. I'd hate to have to dissect this to make us all look better and smarter. Because that would involve work. (laughs) Heavy story editing. (laughs) Man, that, that's, we're going to have that noise in this episode. Probably unavoidable. Do what you can in post-production. And suck it up and accept it for what it is. I know. In a case like this, though, it's almost better to put in a, an underlying musical score. So what I would actually suggest before you build maybe, maybe I'll go check some of those royalty-free sound places for some tavern backgrounds with <laughs> <laughs> people kind of <laughs> talking inaudibly. <laughs> maybe we could so, put some Star Trek like uh, bleep bleep doo. What I would suggest before you build walls. Is just hanging. Yeah, yeah, I thought about that too. Like um, blankets and soundproof and stuff from the ceiling. And then do a sound check and see if it benefits at all before you start building construction. Do a mass of the blankets because the mass is really what you're playing with anyway. In fact, blankets, blankets bunched up on uh, like this, and then a vinyl shower curtain, and then blankets again would kind of be the same kind of. Because you got that hard barrier sure, in between two soft acoustical barriers. The shower curtain is actually going to reflect some of the sound, Back. which will then be absorbed by the blanket. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're looking for different densities, and you want stuff to reflect the sound back into whatever it is that it just passed Well, you, you want a layer of absorbing. Then you want a layer of reflection. And hopefully the absorbing layer is absorbing on both sides because mm-hmm. it would be ridiculous for a warrant. But they, they do make those. 
So if it's absorbing on both sides with a layer of reflection, so whatever manages to pass through the absorbing side hits the reflection side, comes back and gets absorbed on the back side, that would dampen greatly and stop a lot of movement. And the other side, the side where we are, obviously we'll have blankets for the acoustical treatment, but then it also has the same effect. Now, this is not exactly an acoustically dead area. There's a lot of reflective surfaces. There's, well, the ceiling tiles are... They are a, they are the um, mushy stuff. Yeah. Those are Pretty probably good. okay. Uh, this reflects... But there's crack here. Sure. We're going to have a certain amount of reflection here. Yeah. I mean, you have it on walls. So the absolute cheapest that you can probably get hold of is going to be egg crate foam. And that's probably even going to be cheaper than blankets. And the great thing about egg, egg crate foam is that it has those angular surfaces built into it. Like for the, the cheapo mattress toppers? Yeah. Well, Harbor Freight has the blankets on sale from time to time for five sure. bucks. You combine a blanket with egg crate foam and you have multiple layers, different densities. And you put shower curtain rails on the ceiling there and you can suspend it all in a controlled fashion for relatively cheap. And the cool thing about the garage door set up there, it's got all of the hardware over it that's already on it that can be used to hang blankets from yeah but the biggest issue is the air handler there oh yeah yeah but that does not dampen the outside no very well at all. okay you're you're looking at outside noise not reflection of inside noise well yeah we need to absorb that noise but we need to stop that noise because mm -hmm. i don't think we're getting it from there i don't think we're getting it from there we're getting the air handler, and we're getting the garage door here. Sure. So this is a d devolved into a discussion of acoustics. And, and we didn't even go over the science of it at all. We're not getting into the nitty-gritty. We're just talking about specifically what we can do in the womb. And that's not very good for the podcast. <laughs> If we had the cameras on and we had the video going and we could point there and point there, that would be one thing. Yes. So we're going to edit that out. It'd be entirely different also if you had a cameraman who was filming who could focus in on points of interest. I keep coming back to uh, to guys on the Internet and YouTube and marketing and building your brand and they're saying one of the best things you can do with your first small amounts of money you get is hire kids, hire influencers, hire people that work for you that's going to post to your social media, that's going to handle all that stuff because those people will make you grow exponentially. You know, they're, you're, they're not there for their inherent knowledge, they're there so you can say, hey, I need an Instagram story. Hey, I need you to work on this YouTube video. Hey, I need you to put this blog piece out there. 
you work, your eight-hour day is working for my brand, my thing. You know, the kind of thing that I say all the time that I don't have time to do all day long because I got a job. You need to hire people where make your brand their job. And you can increase your online presence, like I said, exponentially, so many times fold. It's almost incalculable. So the, the entertainment industry has its own form of slavery built into it. You have the interns. They're trading their time for A, connections. They're trading their time and money for connections. And credits. Credits. Two of the things I cannot offer right now. So to offer uh, named credits, you have to have a product that has a credit section. So when you're, uh, let's just go if you're that blender guy. Do you have a credit section on it? No. He does run a credit section. Okay. So are you stacking that credit section with pseudonyms and nom deplores for the imaginary production cast that you have? Pretty much. All right. Well, in that case, you can replace one of the pseudonyms with an actual intern's name. One of my fake credits, like lighting by whoever I call the lighting company, which is me. Sure. And so that is something you have to offer. You have a product which has a credit section, and you have named credits in there. So that is a product which you can offer in exchange for services. And you can even, you know, sweeten the deal by offering money. Granted, not much money. I was going to say, <laughs> now you've gone on totally like this deep end to some imaginary place where, where apparently I've got money to burn. Well, I mean, hopefully you'll get to the point where you can offer money mm-hmm. and not have it impact whether you can pay your cell phone bill this month or not. All right, all right. Well, you've seen how but my cell phone works. I don't pay them very much. Right now, you do have a product. You have videos which have name credits in them, and you can exchange those name credit positions for services. And it might be a way to definitely a way to get hands on deck for future sketches that are going to have credits in them. Yeah. I mean, if you can offer somebody the credit as a director of photography. Or assistant producer. Assistant producer. And we're definitely going to need hands on deck when we go with the live video streams. Well, unless you just intend on setting up three or four 4K video cameras, and then doing everything in post-production. I've, I've got a couple ideas about setting up um, cameras with CamLink capture devices 
going into a computer that treats them as webcams taking like say the Elgato um, little um, touch pad device where you can hot uh, set up hotkeys mm-hmm. so you can switch cameras on the fly so you can record all the input you record the the one single in you'll stream with that main camera signal but you'll be able to adjust any number of cameras that are going into the software of OBS and set that one as the streaming source. You can also use OBS to, to stream out all three, four cameras at the same time. Have you seen some of the mixer channels that no. have three, four, six, seven cameras streaming at the same time? So you've got a big picture, and then around it you've got this uh, different size, smaller pictures on the borders so people can see multiple angles at the same time. Um, some of the interesting things on Twitch, the in real life channels in Twitch have people's cooking shows. There's a brew brewmaster show that I think you'd like. And, and it's really interesting. Twitch is not just for live gaming anymore. Twitch is also booby cam girls. <laughs> cam girls. What are those? I am uncertain of this. Right? Twitch is for cosplayers. Twitch is for for health food people. I mean, a, a lot of people are finding uh, a home on Twitch. And a lot of people feel like YouTube is too big to care about the small creator these days, whereas Amazon's Twitch is kind of incentivizing the small creator to come play in their playground. The... The Twitch is mainly centered on the live feeds. And YouTube becomes the archive for what you did on Twitch. Twitch does not throw away your old live feeds, though. They go into the archive in your channel. Sure, you can rerun those. Mm -hmm. What's great about Twitch is people expect a live experience, right? They don't necessarily go to YouTube expecting a live experience yet. They go to YouTube expecting, like as you said, the archive of their videos. Um, they say Facebook, Facebook Live is making real inwards in the live video, but every time I think of live video, I think Twitch. If I want to go see something live, I want to go sure. to Twitch. I don't think that with YouTube, but I'm starting to because YouTube streaming, YouTube live streaming is starting to catch some real fire here. And maybe it's because of notifications, because I get the notifications on, on my email saying the channels that I have subscribed to are going live in five minutes or whatever, so I can hop on and watch, you know? And I still don't have that kind of integration with my phone on Twitch. Now, I totally have that integration on Twitch. On your phone? Uh, well, I get notifications uh, from my Twitch app. And maybe it's just because I haven't really delved into Twitch as much. And the only reason I'm in it at all right now is because um, the talent has been trying to run his game stream. Uh, speaking of which, how is Matt? Good, good. He's, he's busy. But, he, yeah, he tries to game on Twitch and grow his channel that way. So I'm like, okay, well, let me play with Twitch a little bit. I would be mildly curious on seeing his Twitch content. I mean, is it Battlefield and Overwatch? Uh, no, he he plays a, a cross section of games. They're mostly fight games. And some of the, 
I want to say Dungeon Keeper or something like that. Or no, Diablo. I think okay. he's played some Diablo. His uh, gamer tag or his his channel name is Catching Games. Now, personally, I can't imagine anything more boring than watching boring other than people watching play somebody games. else play games. Like I want to play that. You know, yeah, that's like going to the arcade when you're a kid and it's just like, oh no, I don't need to play the games. I'm just going to watch everybody else here play. The only time I ever watched anybody over their shoulder play a game is when I wanted to play that fucking game. Right. That's when you lined up your fucking quarter and you're waiting for them to go through their their goddamn lives. So they, they get an extra life and you're like, fucker! <laughs> <laughs> Just die already! Now, uh, this may be uh, anathema, but um, I don't even like watching other people role play. I mean, it's wildly popular right now to have YouTube and Twitch channels showing live broadcasts of people playing role-playing games. And I remember, I was trying to sell you on that for years. And I, personally, I don't like it. I've tried watching, and um, well, maybe it's because I'm the obsessive-compulsive obsessive min-maxer engineer, but I'm like, they're doing it wrong. Why are you playing that character? That well, character's just a waste of your time. You're doing it wrong. Well, you do that to us when we play when we play role playing games. Well, yeah, that's because you're doing it wrong. <laughs> but at least I have playing my own character to distract me from worrying about what you're fucking up. It's no fun to play the the maxed out character all the time. There's no freedom. No, the the freedom is in the creation of the. The entity. Now, if they're all the same. But they're not all the same. You start with a concept, and then you look to hone the concept into the most efficient embodiment of the concept that you started with. Which is? It it depends. Sometimes I want to play a healer sometimes i want to play a tank sometimes i want to play yeah but given on the race and the class you're pretty much numbers are set there's plenty of flexibility i mean it, it all evolves around what is the concept that i am trying to embody um when i'm playing a tank do i want somebody that can just absorb raw hit points or do I want somebody that can move around the battlefield and control what the enemy is doing and block attacks? And um, Or do I just want a brute? Well, maybe that... Do I want the thing? Or do I want... Um, I'm drawing a blank Talk on... Talk Strange. See, I'd be thinking, what if Ben Grimm... Just a little bit of magic. <laughs> Just not a whole lot. But, you know, maybe he's it's clobbering time, and then he gets up next to somebody who maybe doesn't clobber so well, and he's like, you know what, I got a little Iagamato right here, and I think I'm going to do a little something that you didn't see coming. So one of my interesting takeaways from, uh, and we're going total full-on nerd here, uh, from... D&D 5th edition mm -hmm. was that a tank 
could be a controller. Okay. He doesn't have to be the guy with the most hit points. He doesn't have to be the guy that deals the most damage. He just has to be able to manipulate other people on the battlefield. And in the the campaign where I was playing the Dragonborn fighter, he was totally focused around controlling what the the enemy was doing on the front line. He was about positioning them, maneuvering them, pushing them, shoving them, drawing them one way or another. Well, and being a tank, it kind of allows him the constitution to, sure. to deal I mean, with that. You you have to deal with the repercussions of saying, look at me. Mm-hmm. Because if you say, look at me, and the enemy says, tweak, uh, what about it? Right. Then you've written a check which you can't cash. Man, so this podcast is just <laughs> all over the place. This is like... How the hell did we get on this subject? I have no idea. I, I don't know how we got We're just here. off the rails. Yeah. We're talking about higher interns, and, <laughs> and now we're talking about control. Sound dampening, and, and all of a sudden we're talking about uh, dragonborn fighters that are manipulating the, the battlefield. Right. So, um, yeah. So, Matt's Twitch handle is Catchin' Game. So, yeah, he plays games, and he was saying that he thinks we should try to maybe carve out a little bit of the In Real Life channel on Twitch for the Desperate Mothers podcast stream kind of. So, I'm I'm totally willing to do that. Um, I just want to have the camera set up that way we know. I'm a 50-something-year-old ugly fuck ugly fat fuck um yeah whenever I you're think, not 50 yet <laughs> not yet though i but have you a youtube are, channel that proves that people don't necessarily want to watch me <laughs> see the implication was i'm a 50 something year old ugly fat fuck mm-hmm. and you're not 50 yet right and not so ugly <laughs> anyhow <laughs> <laughs> But I am very much fat, and I have the videos to prove it. Now, so. the the only thing that I find remotely concerning about video is, um, at the moment, I have a modicum of plausible deniability. Because I can say Jack's a really common name. Fisher's a really common last name. Well, you just don't want to be caught on video saying stuff that you don't want to be caught on video saying. Yes. You've been on so video. There has to be a certain amount of control over So then you need to not re- you need to not hydrate. <laughs> Is that what we're calling it hydrating? Yes. <laughs> you need to control your on-screen hydration. <laughs> And I assume by control, you're not talking about 
eliminating the rattling of the ice cubes when I set the drink down on the table. No, no, especially since we don't do do that very well. <laughs> do we? <laughs> it's hard to say. It's not that hard to say. Okay, it's going to be the first edit in like 20 odd minutes. People are going to be like, why? There should have been a lot more edits before now. That is exactly what I was thinking. Okay, I was wrong. So the Talents Twitch channel, well, he's only got three videos up, Okay, is Catchin' Games. K-E-T-C-H-I-N underscore games. I-N underscore games? Correct. K-E-T-C-H-I-N underscore games. All right, Desperados, go out there and follow the talent on Twitch. He's suddenly going to see a 300% spike in his viewership. <laughs> yes. He's got 14 followers. Wow. How many do you have? On Twitch? Nothing. I don't have anything on Twitch. Well. All right. Hey, how about, uh, we, we, since we plugged Matt's channel, we're going we're gonna to leave it off here. We're going to call it a shorter episode. Edit this down. It should be like 40 minutes or so. 15 minutes? So yeah, I think we're going to wrap that up right here. Remember to, if you have a Twitch account, hop on and like and follow the talent at Catching Games. Jack, you're already doing it. I'm 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 following him, and I'm not going to I'm not going to subscribe to him. Give him my money. He's already doing well enough there. And then hopefully next week we'll be back with a. Avengers Age of Apocalypse Ultrasonic Wrap-Up? Um, yeah. The Infinity Ultron Gauntlet Megasonic. Cut. <laughs> the, the Guardians... Of the Deadpools of the first class. The last X-Men. The last X-Men. The last X-Man? They did that, though. They made the last X-Man. Yeah. It was called Logan. Don't get me started on Logan. And the little one, that was Ray. (laughs) The little Logan baby, that was Ray. Man, the theme music is going to be playing right here. Thanks for listening to the Desperate Mothers podcast. Come back next week for spoilers for Avengers Infinity War Gauntlet Palooza. We'll get the name of that right by then. I'm CJ Watson. And I am Jack Fisher. And hop on. <laughs> <laughs>